0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Funsky. Somewhere between his childhood in Nebraska and starting a job at the Chicago Tribune in his late 20s, Andy Boyle got fat. He was far from alone in that. The CDC says 71% of Americans over age 20 are overweight or even obese. Where Andy Boyle differs from so many other Americans is that he lost the weight. In fact, he lost about 80 pounds, and he's kept it off. But like any good journalist, Andy didn't stop there. He started to wonder why he'd gotten so fat and why really so many of us get so fat and what should we do as a society to live healthy lives? The answers he found to those questions have now become a book. It's called Big Problems, a former fat guy's look at why we're getting fatter and what you can do to fix it. And here today to discuss it with us is Andy Boyle. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me so andy short version how did you get fat <laughs> i
1: ate a lot of uh, incredibly unhealthy food uh i think that's probably uh the, the the main reason why and i ate more than my body needed and i did not work out i didn't walk i was a pretty sedentary uh kind of guy who was a reporter that just kind of went from place to place in a car
0: so sort of the classic midwestern story
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Now, your book was refreshing and that you also disposed of how you got, quote, less fat really quickly. It took you less than a chapter to cover that. Was it really so simple for you?
1: It's, it's interesting. Like, looking back on it, it was relatively simple. It was just, I'm going to eat less, and I'm going to move more. And when I say move more, that doesn't mean I went and became... Mr. Olympia weightlifter, it just meant I just kind of started doing these little things that would push me toward healthier decisions. And most people think of, you know, I think we're kind of lied when when you go to the grocery store and you see all these magazines that show, like, lose 20 pounds in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not only not real, it's usually not sustainable. And I just happened to start losing weight slowly over time, and it just kind of became an afterthought because I had just changed a lot of my bad habits.
0: Hmm. And as I mentioned, you disposed of all this very quickly in the book. That's all just in the first chapter. That left you a lot of time to explore the bigger picture. What do you see as the most important piece of that bigger picture? I think it's focusing
1: on the why. I, I, that's a big thing that I uh, really tried to dive deep into is the the why is this happening to us? And I say happening to us because... Even though, yes, there is some personal responsibility, this is not an accident. Our food has been engineered to be incredibly more unhealthy and also cheaper because they want to make more money off of it. Our cities have drastically changed in that how we get around, we walk and move less. Uh, We're also not as well-educated when it comes to what kind of physical activity can perhaps be helpful, um, and also, we're not as well educated when it comes to how your diet uh, actually impacts all of this. But, but then also the mental health aspects, I think, are incredibly ignored when people uh, talk about these issues. And that's kind of one of the big things that I, I kind of focus on in the book is mental health is one of the biggest parts of all of this. And that kind of goes to the why was I eating so much? And it was because I was kind of sad. So.
0: Oh, <laughs> And really, I mean, it's, it's a bummer when you think about it. It's like you eat too much because you're kind of sad, and then it kind of makes you sadder.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and one of the things that I, uh, I found in, in some of the research is a lot of people who perhaps have a large amount of weight gain over a you know specific period of time you can actually point to some sort of traumatic event. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's like they lost their job or it's a car accident or, you know, a death of a loved one that can precipitate some of these issues. And that's something that I did for myself. I actually graphed kind of how I thought when I started to gain weight in my life. And then I was like, well, what happened before that? And it's like, oh, that happened before that. And that can, I think, really help to tell people, oh, sometimes there's a, there's a, there's a, the you can discover the mental health reason that kind of pushed you perhaps to start eating more.
0: Hmm. But then, you know, there's also this this unfortunate problem that right now we're in the middle of this thing that has pushed <laughs> us all a little bit to the edge in terms of yes. our mental health. Um, you know, whether or not people are inclined to stress eat, it just feels like this situation that we're in right now is the perfect time to be doing that stress eating. So what would be your advice for people on maintaining good habits or starting good habits in the first place when we're in the middle of a pandemic here?
1: Yeah, I, I think the first thing that I – and I've been having to tell my parents this because my mom's been freaking out. She's like, I gained two pounds. And I'm like, <laughs> of course you did, and that's fine. What, what I've been trying to tell folks, and, and I think one of the first things is, number one, this isn't normal. Why would you expect your body or your weight or whatever to remain normal? It's, it's, this is extraordinary. And because of that, shoot for good enough, not perfection Uh, nobody is going through COVID-19 perfectly. Therefore, you should not feel bad about how much, you know, if you're overeating, you should not feel bad if you aren't exercising as much as you used to, but you can shoot for good enough. And that could just be as simple as making a plan to go for a 20-minute walk every day. Like, hey, there, you've done something. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the other thing is, if you want to make changes, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to, but if you are feeling like, you know what, it's been six weeks since I've, I've I've been out of my routine, make a plan. And like I said, that plan can be relatively simple. It could just be, I'm going to eat three meals today, and I'm going to try to focus on eating non-processed food for most of them. And I'm not going to snack, you know, something like that. Or you say, at 3 o'clock, I get to have my snack. Uh, and then again going towards something that around physical activity that could just be as simple as I'm gonna go walk around the backyard mm. or I'm gonna I'm a garden or, or something that, that allows you to move a little bit because I think there's this tendency that we have and, and some of this is perhaps ex- exacerbated by social media we think we need to be doing everything always and this is a time where everybody needs to be doing everything when in reality do as much as you're capable of doing and that might not be a lot and That's okay.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of maybe the advice we all need. We're not going to be able to hit perfection here, but let's do what we can. Let's not let it all fall apart. Exactly. We're talking to Andy Boyle about his new book. It's called Big Problems, a former fat guy's look at why we're getting fatter and what you can do to fix it. And we did ask some of our listeners on social media um, how they were able to move from unhealthy to healthy. And some of them had some interesting responses to this. Um, Henry writes that he lost 70 pounds in eight months, really restricted my calories, walked or lifted weights every day, kept it off by running and climbing, then later cycling, combined with establishing a much healthier diet. Tony also says cycling was the key for him he's down 70 pounds his advice is buy a bike and ride it Matt says I once stopped drinking for four months and I lost 60 pounds and Andy that did make me think a little bit of your book this also kind of ties into the pandemic here but you say alcohol is really a huge problem
1: yeah and, and and I say it's a problem in terms of calories, uh, like so I, I haven't drank in uh, something a little more than six years, and it was, was going to be an experiment to help me lose weight, and I just kept doing it because it was relatively you know it was easy for me, and I know it's not easy for everybody. The big problem is, especially now with a lot of the craft beers, they are really high in calories. And you might be thinking, well, I'm only going to have two or three beers after work. Well, that could be perhaps around 600 calories, which for many is an entire meal. <laughs> and they're really easy to just consume 600 calories. It's similar to drinking a lot of soda or pop or, or, or whatever folks in St. Louis kind of call it. Uh, that is an, a simple way to drink your calories. And alcohol, again, it's in a lot of social situations, and especially now, when we're just kind of stuck at home, it might be a little easier to perhaps drink some more of those calories than you're used to.
0: Well, and as you pointed out, then there's also just that terrible impulse after you've had those three beers. <laughs> you need to go to Taco Bell. It's calling you. Yes,
1: you do. It, I call it the Alco <laughs> Uh And uh, one of my best friends from high school, uh, we uh, I remember once we had a night on the town while we were in college and my mom picked us up cuz we were nice sober people and we were just like take us to Taco Bell and my mother uh, was, was very kind.
0: That's a good designated driver right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, now, your book, you don't just talk about the serious stuff, although there is a lot of very good, practical, serious stuff in here. You also um, visited some places and tried some things that, honestly, I was like, I can't believe he's doing this. I mean, you seem like a, a nice, laid-back, Midwestern kind of guy, yet you tried this thing called cool sculpting. Yeah. Um, this is where I was like, whoa, I can't believe he's doing this. What exactly is cool sculpting?
1: Cool sculpting is uh, is it's an FDA approved thing that basically what it does is it literally freezes your fat cells. Now it's it's not like liposuction where they go in and they act they use some sort of medical device to actually remove fat. What it does is it basically kills the fat cells and then over a period of time, and for some that might be six to twelve weeks, those fat cells die and then, you know, they leave your body through normal waste mechanisms. Uh, and what it can do is it can kind of help to uh, shape in your body. And basically, you literally go into a room uh, with a very nice nurse, and it's this incredibly awkward thing where they put some jelly uh, where you want the fat removed. For me, I had it kind of in my love handles, and then a suction vacuum thing Ooh. pulls in, and, uh, and then it drops to, I can't remember how cold it gets, but it's incredibly cold, and they do that for... Something like 30 40 minutes per side and uh, and then they switched to the other one and I I remember taking photos and sharing with my mom and she was just like well boy I'm just so proud
0: (laughs) but did it it worked for you I mean it's still it's remained working it's not like you slowly over time go back to where you were
1: so what's interesting about how how fat cells work is they multiply and so that's one of the reasons why people can yo-yo so easily mm. is because if you've always been skinny and you've never been large like me, uh, when you lose, like, if you, if you eat too much, your body kind of can can uh, absorb those calories at a more moderate level. But for me, it's kind of like I have these empty saddlebags that are just waiting to balloon up. And the fat cells, they don't go away. They just kind of deflate. Uh, mm. So when you overeat, that's one reason why it's a lot easier for previously large people to get bigger. So what this does is it helps to kill those fat cells. And for me, I 100% noticed that there was less fat there. Uh, My clothes fit a little bit better. But also when I was outside and when it was cold, you could feel the patches of where there was like less, you know, insulation on my body.
0: Oh, that seems kind of freaky. But I mean, I'm glad it worked (laughs) for you. Like it wasn't cheap. So I feel happy that you weren't just wasting your money. But... Yeah, you also did something else that I'm like I would never do that. You went to a bodybuilding competition. What did you did. What did you learn from that? Other than the importance of spray tans?
1: Oh boy, did I learn the importance of spray tans! I, I one of the one of the big things I learned is a lot of these folks when they have their their clothes on, and this was what we refer to as a natural bodybuilding competition, in that the winners were tested for you know steroids and that sort of stuff. Mm. You can't really tell that these are incredibly ripped human beings. The whole One of the whole points of bodybuilding is you try to gain as much muscle mass, look as symmetrical as possible, and then lose as much fat, so you kind of glisten on the stage. <laughs> but when you're standing next to some of these people, they're incredibly skinny. They're not like, they look muscular on stage, but when I'm standing next to them, I'm just like, well, you are just a tiny little thing. <laughs> and that was kind of one of the more shocking things, and this is kind of what we put up as this, this is, you know, the, the pinnacle of, of of fitness, when in reality, uh, there were probably much stronger and perhaps more athletic people around, but they were, had a specific goal for how they were trying to transform their bodies.
0: Hmm. You also made a big point of people out there who might be worried, I don't want to get so bulky, I don't want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't have to worry about that at all.
1: Uh, we do not. Uh, what I, my, again, I keep mentioning my mom. Because uh, when I was talking, telling, getting her into being a little bit more healthy and active, she was like, "Well, I don't want to end up looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger." And I was like, "Oh, you mean the guy who started lifting weights when he was twelve, uh, you know, started body, you know, entering, winning competitions when he was sixteen, dedicated his life to this sport? You don't want to look like that if you exercise three days a week?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just we should not live in fear of this happening to our yeah. bodies. Yeah,
1: yeah. If anything, like in. And I, I saw this in my own experience. I've, I've heard about it with so many other people. If you do lift weights or you do do cardio or something that, that is, you know, physically challenging, you're not going to all of a sudden become massive. That, that, like the people that do become massive and bulky, so to speak, They have to do specific things to do that. And odds are you're not trying to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. But so overall, you learned so much about this. You've now literally written the book about it. What (laughs) do you think we should care about or pay attention to as we're aiming for being healthy and truly being well? I
1: think the biggest thing is not necessarily focusing on a number on a scale. Hmm. The number on a scale is a tool. Instead, I think you should focus on being able to do something. And by that, I mean have a goal. It could be as simple as, I want to be able to walk around the block and not be winded. It could be, I want to run a 5K someday. It could also be, I want to be able to bench press 200 pounds. Whatever it is, if you find this sort of physical goal-oriented thing that isn't necessarily so focused on your appearance or your body weight, that is something you can strive for. We're not as in control, perhaps, of our body weight as we think we are, Hmm. and we're also not as in control of our physical appearance. But one thing you can do is you can push yourself to be more physically fit, and all those other things come with it, which I think is a, is, is a benefit.
0: That it sounds like an important lesson for us all to take away. And you know, the other thing I took away from this book, I'm always making excuses. I feel like the St. Louis weather isn't conducive to being out there running. <laughs> I mean, you're doing it in Chicago, and you train for a half marathon, you're doing this in the winter. If you can do this, I feel like no one in St. Louis has any excuse.
1: Oh, yeah. My second half marathon, my first day of training, it was negative two outside
0: and I still did it. Okay. Well, you're making us all shamed, Uh, but (laughs) this is the motivation we need. So Andy Boyle, I want to thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much. Stay safe.
0: And uh, Andy is the author of Big Problems. That's a former fat guy's look at why we're getting fatter and what you can do to fix it. And we do want to encourage you, if you're interested in getting this book, you can order it from one of our local independent bookstores. Most of them are doing this right now. They're doing curbside. So you can just order it through their website or by calling them. You can pick it up and it's easy breezy. And it's a it's a really good read if you're curious to know why we've all gotten so fat. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 K. AWMU